the ability to make something look finished. Um, which, okay, which I think is also uh, a weakness and a con because then you can make anything look good regardless of whether it makes sense or not. Um, I think it goes back to the idea of first round that you know, if you're not doing things for the right reason with the right thinking behind it and you're just worried about how it looks on Behance and how many likes it's going to get, you're doing it wrong. Um, and a lot of people think that that's the ultimate payoff to being a designer that you're gonna get uh, uh, you know, a bunch of likes on Instagram or Behance, and um, you know, while it's fun, it really doesn't serve a, lot, a big purpose. Hey everybody, welcome to Works in Process. This podcast is a series of conversations where I speak to designers, artists, writers, and more to discuss their creative methodologies. I'm your host, designer and educator, George Garastegui. In this episode, I chat with designer and writer Armin Witt. He is co-founder and one half of the dynamic duo that constitutes the design firm under consideration. I catch up with him today from his house in Bloomington, Indiana, where he and his wife Bryony focus on many extensions of their under consideration brand. They have written books and created a multitude of blogs that cover various aspects of design. And now they run an annual conference called Brand New, which focuses on showcasing corporate and brand identity work. Most recently, they've created an offshoot of that called First Rounds. This one-day event is a showcase of original presentations made to clients showing off the initial design exploration phase, and it's what I'm going to be talking to him extensively about. So now let's get into this conversation with Armin and hear how it all started. Hey, Armin. Thanks for agreeing to be on the show based on like the back and forth we had during Instagram. So how you been? Good. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Ah, thank you. Thank you. So, um... Really, in the beginning of my podcast, I just want to get people comfortable, so I do a thing called icebreakers, and are you ready for, for some quick Q&A? Yes. All right. So, let's do it. Um, these are just some this or that questions. Dogs or cats? Uh, dogs. Long, a- <laughs> long answers. I used to be cats, but now I'm dogs. <laughs> um, coffee or tea? Coffee. Tacos or pizza? Tacos. <laughs> Austin or Bloomington? Oh, shit. Uh... For now, I would say Bloomington because that's where I'm happy at the moment. But I was very happy okay. in Austin as well. All right, cool. Um, writing or designing? Designing. And brand new or speak up? Oh, uh, brand new. <laughs> and now I just want to do a quick word association. First things you think of when you hear these words. Creativity. Overrated. Design. Awesome. Art. Nah. How do I how do I spell that? Uh, <laughs> uh, one e and plenty of pages. <laughs> okay, good. That's when I put it in the show notes. Good. It'll just be that. Um, business. Uh, gotta do it. Failure. Um, unavoidable. Clients. Gotta love them. <laughs> Mistakes. All the time. Tools. Illustrator. Skills. None. <laughs> Opportunity. Uh, pass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Future. Bright. Risk. Uh, dark. <laughs> and of course, last but not least, process. Uh, fun. I, I guess we could spend like a whole hour and a half unpacking all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole nother one. Yep. But, you know, sometimes it's really, really fun to hear what people just say because they get stumped up where you're like, what's the one word? And I love to hear some of the random things that just come out of people's heads. Yep. So thanks for those, you know, just kind of get you, you know, loose. So before we get into most of the things we're going to talk about, I really want my listeners to get a little bit to learn more about your path into the industry. So I call this section origin stories, but I'm going to guide you through kind of the questions so that it makes a little bit more focus. Okay. So where'd you grow up and how did that impact your creativity? I grew up in Mexico City. Uh, so I was, uh, I was there until I finished college, which was uh, 1999. And, you know, to this day, I still have no idea how Mexico influences what I do, other than maybe a sense of humor, uh, kind of like not giving too many, I don't know how, can, can you swear on the podcast? 
Yeah, of yeah. course. I, like, I think just the no fucks given, I think it comes from Mexico City, just that, you know, there's so much going on, so many people, so many things going on, and people just do what they want to do. So I think maybe that's part of it. Um, and I think it's just like continued joy of tacos that fuels everything. <laughs> I mean, doesn't everybody have a continued joy of <laughs> fueled tacos? I love it. Yeah. Um, did you go to design or art school or were you kind of self-taught? Uh, I went to this science school and it's kind of like a rarity in that I went to four years straight up graphic design education, just no liberal arts, no alternatives, nothing. It's just like graphic design from start to finish. Um, and this was right, and in Mexico, uh, it happened that it was right as the Mac was starting to come in, but not quite. So, you know, we had like five Macs for the whole class. So it wasn't a thing. Uh, it wasn't like a tool yet that everybody used. So I still got taught kind of like the old fashioned way. You know, I was, okay. if we did a logo, we had to color it by, with paint, with like wash paint. And uh, if we did the packaging, we had to do the little uh, vellum papers that specified what colors go where. So, you know, it's kind of like a thing that, at the time, I thought, this is like stupid. We're doing this like 10 years behind. But that gave me a lot of understanding that, I am, that I'm really delighted that I have now. Um, you know, because like the first time somebody asked me to uh, prepare files for printing on a T-shirt, like I knew what had to be done. Um, you know, not to rail on kids this early on in the show. But, you know, a lot of uh, young designers, you tell them prepare a file for print and they have no idea what's going on. Um, Agreed. So yeah, so it was at the time I thought, oh, this is insane that we're doing it this this way. But now I'm so grateful that that's how I learned how graphic design was made. Yeah, I think um, when I was starting school, kind of the same thing. I was in the the flux of computers still being part of it, but you did a lot of mechanical pay stuff. You understood Amberlith and Rubylith yeah. and color separations, right? And just that knowledge allows you to just really understand the reasons why like all the photoshop tools are named after things that you really did to photos yeah right they're not just fancy names so what was one of your first design jobs and what do you think you learned most uh one of my first design jobs was some weird guy um uh he ran a like 10 different businesses and he i think he was an architect but then he, was also, he also thought he was a designer and he had designed many logos himself. And he wanted me to design a logo for, it was a TV show for selling PC stuff on TV. So it was literally called PC on TV. Um, and for some reason, like I did 10, 12 logos. He hated all of them. Eventually, I think he paid me just to get rid of me. Uh, I was still in college at the time and I just like I just thought like what a jerk like why doesn't he like anything and now I look back at the stuff because I still have them somewhere um like I look back at the stuff that I showed him like oh no wonder they were like horrible um so I think <laughs> I think early on having that experience with a client just showed me that hey, you know not every client is going to like everything that you like that you think is good um and it's just like rolling with the punches until you eventually find a solution that um, sort of works that makes everybody happy um, and eventually you could you just get better at that part but I think early on having that ex experience with a shitty client just kind of like lets you know that uh, it's not going to be smooth sailing uh, for the rest of uh, your profession and instead you know you always have to keep kind of like fighting and pushing and figuring out what's the best approach uh, because you never know how clients are going to react to anything yeah adding on to that when did you I guess, consider yourself a designer? Um, it took me a couple of years uh, in college to figure out, because I, I wanted to, um, kind of like uh, admitting this, I, have, I admit this a lot, but I went into the graphic design because I thought it would be the path of least resistance. I just thought I don't have to memorize things, I don't have to uh, do math or learn science. Uh, you know, I've drawn the Metallica logo on my notebook for all of high school, so this seems like something I can do. Um, and it took me like a couple of years, like when we did our first identity system in class, I thought, oh, this is awesome, like I get it, uh, this is something that, you know, you, you, you come up with a few different ingredients and they assemble them in different ways. Uh, and I think that's when it clicked, so that's when, uh, like I first thought, oh, I can, like I can do this and I can see myself enjoying it. Um, 
And I think like the more, you know, more proper answer would be when you get a job in design, like, wait, you're a designer now, so go, go figure stuff out. But uh, no, I think I found, I realized that it was something that I liked and that it was, uh, I was not very good at anything else. Uh, so all of a sudden, like in, in college, I figured out, oh, like I'm good at this and I understand it and I get it and my teachers seem to like what I'm doing. So I'm just going to stick with this and uh, see where it takes me. <laughs> good, good. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad you stuck with it. So that really gets us up to speed a little bit. I'm just like the beginnings of Armin. And I think we'll go into a little bit more of a under consideration, but you've done and have all these projects that have come and gone, right? Such as the Speak Up blog, such as Worded, such as Cryptology, such as FPO, such as AI4GA, UC Quarterly, right? I mean, I don't see a... a I guess a limitation in what you want to start and are okay with stopping. And I, so why do you decide to create all of these outlets to express your voice and opinion? You know, I think it's uh, like, again, like from the beginning, it wasn't like, oh, this is what I want to do. Like in the next 10 years, I want to create this platform where we can do stuff. And it just sort of happened. Like the uh, Speak Up, the first blog just came about because um, I had joined another blog at the time called Typographica. And this was like early 2000s, uh, blogs were a new thing. I was learning how to do a website. So I just figured, hey, this is something that, you know, the blog mechanism is interesting. I know how to do websites. I can learn movable types. So I started doing it. I had like no real uh, kind of like ambition to become a writer or known for these things. But I just thought I'll do it. This is what seems interesting right now. And that just sort of uh, led to these other things. And a lot of times it's just, you know, when I'm out on a run or when, when drinking coffee or taking a shower, like, wouldn't it be fun to do this or that? And then we just go through kind of like the pros and cons of doing or not doing something. And then we just go for it. Sometimes things work out great. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they work out great in the beginning and then they just fizzle out. And then that's why it, it's the, like we really learned um, with Speak Up when we, when we closed Speak Up in 2009. It was very liberating to say like, hey, we can end something and move on to something else. Um, and it's not the end of the world. Like people move on. Uh, we move on. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just uh, going. And it sounds corny, but it's really going with the flow, seeing what we're interested in, what the audience might want um, and then yeah just figuring it, figuring it out as we go along right I think that's really really interesting that the idea that we can we can end this and it's not the end of the world yeah. right um, and obviously you're talking about we because under consideration is between you and your wife Bryony yep Right. So just obviously just anybody else who wants to make sure you're not the only one who does. Yeah. All this stuff. Yeah. I've gotten so used to saying we uh, because like nothing is I. I mean, some things I do myself, some things I do better than Bryony, some things she does better than me. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> by now I just say we by default because really it's a, it's a, we do everything together. I mean, we work from home. Uh, we raise kids together. We walk the dog. So, you know, we is just. Uh, an extension of I, which again sounds corny, but <laughs> yeah, it doesn't just, sound corny for two people who who do everything together as far as creatively and in life. You know, obviously, it just becomes one unit versus thinking of each other as just single things. Yeah. But you know, now that you're doing all of these things, like, how have you been so diligent to like constantly produce? It's it's uh, it, we do it to survive. Like this is how we make a living. Like if we're not on it a hundred percent you know if you half ass things you don't succeed uh and like that's our number one fear like uh not failing but like some putting your energy and time into something and then that not working out it's just it's not a nice feeling and we all go through it and it's happened uh but like i think the fact that we need to for that we need for our uh, projects to succeed succeed financially, creatively, emotionally, whatever, uh, I think the only way to make that happen is to just, like, do it. And, um, you know, we, I work 10 hours a day. Uh, you know, I, I used to work maybe 12 at some point, 14, when I was a pentagram and then doing this on the side. Um, so it's just, like, 10 hours of just, like, sitting your ass down and doing it. Um, you know, you can come up with excuses of why not to do things or I'll do it later or I won't go as hard. But, no, for us, it's just, like, we need to do it to survive, so let's do it. And we enjoy it, so that helps. 
Um, and right. like we we acknowledge how sort of lucky we are that we get to do this on our own terms at our own time. Um, we sort of do what we want, uh, which has its pros and cons. But uh, yeah, we just feel like we're so lucky that we get to do this that we're not just gonna. Uh, kind of like rest on our laurels and we're going to do the best that we can every time, you know, every time with every project, every time out, we're just going to go at it a hundred percent. So now you're doing all of these, these different things. How is that, that beginning of starting a blog that just talks about the idea of branding, you know, when all these bad branding projects happened, there was never a voice to, to be like, how shitty is this? Yeah. Right. The Gap logo happens and the Internet blows up about how crappy it is. And then like a week later, it goes back to this. Yeah. And now that becomes a thing. Everybody has an opinion about how visual things are supposed to look and don't take into account the idea that it takes a year or two years to rebrand a big company like that. What kind of started that 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 beginning stages of creating brand new the blog and then I guess transitioning it to a conference format? Yeah, um, so the blog really started be- sort of uh, what you mentioned, that there was no place for these discussions to happen when there was some shitty thing going on out there. Um, and it all started, it was back in, in the Speak Up days, 2004, when the UPS logo got redesigned. You know, the, we went from Paul uh, Rand to Paul that Rand. shield. And, you know, we, we didn't, I didn't even post a review, I just posted... Uh, hey, the UPS logo changed. Isn't that funny? And it just exploded into 200 comments. Um, and then all of a sudden, there was this place where you could uh, talk about um, that specific. So we did it for a while on Brand New. And then it was taking over a little bit too much. Sorry, we did it at first on Speak Up. And then it felt like it was taking too much over the what Speak Up was about, which was more heavy discussions about graphic design and stuff like that, where some people were, and you know, brand, the logo comments were like, oh, this sucks, and it's horrible. <laughs> so people were like, oh, comments like this don't have a place on Speak Up. So we're like, fine, we'll just like set up a, a new blog that's only for this, only logo redesigns, and if you like it, great. If you don't like it, stay away. Um, so we started it in 2006. I think we would have maybe three posts a week. There wasn't that much going on. Um, But then, you know, things like the Gap logo happened, and that just spiked our... uh, Like, we we had the best coverage about it. Uh, Not not because we were... I was the best journalist. It was just like, I was a designer. We had a blog about logo redesigns, and all of a sudden, one of the biggest brands in the world changes to something horrible. So I was able to write about it from a different point of view that other media outlets couldn't and that just made a that, kind of, that was kind of like one of the big moments on brand new that just you know we hit we had a huge spike and a lot of people from that spike stayed on um and there's just been things like that over the years uh you know whether it was instagram or uh like the google logo airbnb logo was huge um so yeah and again now we have i have a back to a backlog of things to post um, you know, there's logo redesigns every single day. There's multiple logo redesigns from small scale to large scale to, you know, in all parts of the con- the world. So there's like no shortage of content, which is crazy given how it started where I had to like really scramble to find content. Um, so again, like w- when we started brand new, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to have this big ass blog with millions of page views a month. Um, and it's going to be uh, the, the best blog to see logo redesigns. We just started it because it seemed the right thing to do. It seemed like a right corner of the internet to shove something in there. Um, and then, yeah, people, <laughs> it's just like going, again, going with the flow, seeing what people are liking, what people are reacting to. And that, you know, brand new just took off. So we went with it. Um, so that's sort of the, the genesis of brand new. Um, and, and then, so, so really quickly before yeah. you get to the conference part, how do you get your, your logos? Like, do people send them to you? Do you search for them and ask for them? But like you said, there's so many things now you probably can't keep on top of what those are. So are you just getting an influx of, of people wanting to be covered? It's a mix of things. Uh, I would say half of it. And I, I rarely find anything myself. Uh, because we get so many tips, we get so many submissions. So I would say 50% is design firms or even on the client side saying like, hey, we redesigned this or that. 
would you cover it? The other 50% is just people, you know, like you have your New York Yankees hat on, let's say, so you're a fan, let's say they introduce a new logo, you're like, hey, they changed the logo, I'm gonna let brand new know. Um, so whenever anything that somebody is uh, somehow associated with or enjoys or consumes or whatever, they let us know that something changed. Um, and they, they might have a press release, they may have an email that came through for them, or they just went to the grocery store and the package had changed and they send me a picture like, hey, this changed, can you look into it? Um, so we get, I would say anywhere between 50 and 100 tips a week, um, which is insane. And what ha I think what sort of made that happen was that very, very at the beginning, because it was such a rare thing to get tip from anyone like at the bottom of the post on brand new i would say thanks to whoever for the tip thanks you know every time i would thank whoever sent the tip um so i think they just created a nice feedback loop where like hey people appreciate that i'm sending tips um so now i have an auto reply email that just the first thing it says thank you like thank you for taking one minute out of your day to send me something like whether i post it or not I mean, I guess it matters, but it doesn't really matter. I just want to let you know that I'm thankful for this. Um, right. Because really, it, it's, uh, it's a lot of what has fueled brand new. Just like that influx of tips from all over the world, from things that I would never know um, or you know, be aware of. So that's where most of the stuff comes from. Um, and nowadays... Most companies that redesign, they'll put out a press release, they'll put out images. Uh, so it's, get, it's gotten easier in the past three, four years, whereas before there wasn't that much stuff available. So almost do you think that now, because brand new is such a thing, all of these press releases and beautiful imagery and little videos of how the transition from the old logo to the new logo, like they're almost seem like they're case studying it just to be on brand new sometimes. Yeah, and you know, I'm... I don't want this to sound like I'm bragging, but I get, sometimes we'll get mock-ups of how they want me to arrange the, po the images on brand new. Like that's how designers and clients think that they should, be, they should appear. Uh, I have designers saying, uh, you know, designers that I'm friends with, with big clients are like, my client, the one thing that my client is the most worried about when we finish this redesign is what happens on brand new. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really humbling. Uh, it feeds my ego, for sure. Uh, so it's a little bit of both, but it's, uh, it is interesting how, uh, what a role it plays now, what a role brand new plays now in the consideration for both clients and designers. Like, how are my peers going to look at my work? How, for clients, how are my customers and general audience going to think about our, think about our redesign? So, Big things like Uber and Instagram, like on the client side, we're like, they're always contacting us like, hey, this is coming up. We want to prepare you for the launch. And uh, kind of like a little behind the scenes, I'm always like, no, do not prepare me. I do not want to be prepared. <laughs> I want to experience this in the same way that everyone else is going to experience it. If there's a press release, that's what I'm going to base my review off. If you have images, that's what it's going to be based off on. I, like, I don't want to have a conversation with anyone of what happened behind the scenes, because that doesn't matter. Like, what matters is what gets put out into the world. Um, so, you know, they're always, I'm always getting offers to talk to the creative director or the chief market, marketing officer. Like, nah, pass. Um, right, because it's almost like they're trying to sell you on it first. Yeah. And they will, what happens is that they do. They sell you. Like, they, they whatever happened, whether you know, whether it was good or bad behind the scenes, they talk you through it. And most of the time it makes sense, but you know, they're not going to go walking around to every person in the world telling their backstory. So exactly. whatever you're able to uh, put out to the world for people to learn about your redesign, that's what I want to go, go off of. All right, cool. And now, so now you're doing all of this stuff and, and really getting the, the people to experience and, and having all that, that spike in traffic with all of these, these redesigns and people asking you for things. And then how does the conference then now come about? So the conference comes about after the 2008 recession. Um, 2009, we moved from New York to Austin. Um, it, we were doing a lot of client work back then in New York. Uh, then the recession happened. Uh, we finished all of our client work, moved to Austin. All of a sudden, there's no clients to be had. Advertising on brand new is way down. And we're freaking out because we have 
we have no idea how to make money. We've never had to go out and look for clients uh, because all the, all, all, up until that point, it was just word of mouth. <clears throat> uh, clients will send us an email saying like, hey, here's some money. Can you do that thing that you do? And we're like, yeah, sure, <laughs> we'll, we'll do that. Uh, so once that dried up, we had no idea how to do new business development. But I guess part of, uh, you know, a lot of designers were in the same boat. Where just, they just didn't have as much work. So they, maybe they spent more time on brand new between 2008 and 2010. Our audience just kept growing and growing. And we're like, wait, we have this giant audience on brand new. And what people like about brand new is the specificity of it that is just logo identity and branding. That's it. We don't talk about music. We don't talk about design in general. It's just that. So what if we did a conference that is as specific as the blog, where it's just like all the speakers are talking about logo identity and branding, nothing else, nothing more. That's it. Um, so, you know, we had, we had, it took us a year, like a six months to sell our, uh, apartment in Brooklyn. We had some money. We're like, let's put that money into doing a, a one day conference. Uh, let's see how we can make it happen. We had never, I mean, we had done small events here and there, but never like a real conference with, you know, uh, paying speakers to come and hiring a big venue. Um, so yeah, we were just like. Fine, let's do it. Like we can figure it out. Um, so we started small, which is like a 450 seat theater in New York, and we did it in New York because we figured, even by mistake, 300 people will show up. Like 300 designers, <laughs> one day will wake up and like, hey, I hear something's going on. There's a design conference of some sort. Let's go to there. Um, but yeah, no, we uh, like we sold out within two three months, and we're like, all right, cool. Uh, and then people loved it, uh, the speakers loved it, we had some sponsors and they enjoyed it. Well, we made our money back and we made some, uh, we even made a profit and we're like, oh, awesome, we can do this. Um, yeah, so from there it was just a, a matter of uh, kind of like figuring out the formula, learning about how to do ev events, stuff like that, and then just uh, getting better at it. But uh, yeah, again, like going back to the very early questions is like we didn't we never like 12 15 years ago we never had an ambition of oh let's make this blog and then that blog will grow into a conference and then that conference will spawn another conference and it's going to be awesome um like we just most of the time what we do is again going with the flow in this case it was reacting to the fact that we had no income and we had to figure out a way to do it and this seemed like an interesting, feasible way to do it. And, uh, you know, 10 years later, it's still paying off. And, you know, speakers still love it. The audience still love it. Sponsors love it. We love it. So, you know, we're just keeping at it. Right. So you have one, is it this year or next year? Uh, this year. So it's, right. it's annual. And this is our 10th year anniversary. Big one. Yeah. So now, starting last year, like an extension, and you started this idea called first round. Mm -hmm. And when I first looked at it, I was like, this is amazing. And I took my sweet ass time to try to get a ticket and it got sold out because you only had like, I don't know, like a hundred seats or something. It was really, really small. Um, but looking at what you were trying to do, what is first round and why start doing it now? So first round, uh, so just to explain what it is, the first round is, uh, <laughs> let me go online and I'll read you the actual uh, description because uh, you think I would know it by heart, but I don't. Um, it just, uh, you know, at some point I figure out what the words are. So uh, first round is a one-day showcase of original presentations made to clients showing initial design explorations for logo, identity, and branding projects. Um, so the, you know, we all go through this song and dance when we show clients, uh, design for the first time. And when I was in my first job, well, my second job in Chicago, you know, it was a really tiny design firm. And what we did was like, we printed out a logo, we glued it on a black, on a black, on a piece of uh, blackboard. Uh, we covered it with a paper. We put them next, you know, on a little, uh, chalkboard that we had. And then we're like, here's option one, and reveal the logo. And then here's option two, and just like that, nothing else. Like here's the and logo number three. Client, please choose your favorite one. And it was just like, at the time I thought, oh, this is how it's done. Um, if they pick the good one, great. If they pick the bad, the bad one, eh, what, you know, <laughs> so be it. Um, and then I went to Pentagram, 
and then I saw how I, I went to work with uh, Michael Barut, uh, one of the partners, and then the way he did his first round presentations, it was just like an amazing, uh, you know, journey from beginning to end, and not nothing metaphorical or you know uh, weird. It was just like here's what we did, here's what we see about your company, uh, here's what we heard from you, and just like walking you through the process. And I thought, oh, this is how it's done. Um, and then I realized, as I kept talking to other designers and saw how other partners at Pentagram did the first first round presentations, like everybody does it different. Um, so, so that's the whole goal to show how uh, how different designers show their first round presentations to uh, to clients. And it all started like maybe five years ago. No. Yeah, maybe five, six years ago, we thought, oh, we should do a book about first round presentations. And we should ask all these designers to send us a PDF of one of the first round presentations and we'll break them down. And at the time, most designers were like, I don't feel comfortable at all in having my decks out there in the world reprinted and repurposed for a book. So like, eh, fine, whatever. Um, and then some other designers were like, you're never gonna get more than 20 people to share this part of the of their process because it's it's sort of like the magic that um, allows you know designers to be who they are and do the work that they do. Uh, but I think nowadays uh, designers are much more open, less secretive. I think we all realize that the magic sauce is not whatever documents you put out, but how you, who you are as a person and how you approach business and your creativity and all that stuff. Uh, so I think you know uh, if we had tried this conference five, seven years ago, I don't think we would have gotten far. But now I think uh, designers are a little bit more open. I think the fact that it's uh, a smaller scale event, and you're just like 400, 500 people in the room, uh, you just share it, there's no permanence to the presentation. It's just like it happens um, and you take notes and that's it. Like we don't record because, because then 100,000 people can look at it. And then that's, so designers do get weird about that amount of exposure, but like they're comfortable presenting it themselves in a room to people paying attention in the moment, as opposed to, you know, just some random person in Croatia, nothing against Croatia, but you know, there's something about the distance and the anonymity of uh, other people watching this process um, that most designers were like, we don't want, the first one we, we asked permission, like, hey, can we record this? And half of them were like, no, we don't want you recording it. So then we're like, all right, fine, um, fair enough, we won't record them. And you have to be there in person to see the, the presentations. Uh, so, so yeah, so we thought, let's do this conference one day. Uh, like, you know, we have, a, we know how to do conferences, uh, we'll keep it, uh, affordable, so it's just 100 bucks versus 500 of the brand new conference. There's no sponsors, you get no coffee, you get no goodie bag. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we get bottles of water be, because people need to be hydrated to survive. So that, like, that's the nicest thing for we do for uh, attendees. But again, they're not, we're not charging a lot. So you're paying for the content and, you know, not, not so much the, the event experience. Um, and yeah, to our surprise, like the first one in New York, like we sold out. And it was actually like a, we had a 400 seat theater and then that sold out. But then the same venue had a bigger theater. We moved to that theater, which was 650. We sold out. Um, and yeah, people were just like thrilled. They were like, you know, the audience was, this is amazing. I can't believe no one has done it before. The speakers like were uh, exhilarated to show the process, like they felt vulnerable. And then, you know, because most designers, when they present at a conference, like they come on like full steam with bravado and they're like, oh, I'm gonna present my shit and I'm awesome and I'm great. And I'm gonna show you all the finished photos and the videos that we put together. But a first round presentation is awkward. There's half finished stuff in there. There's, uh, you know, bad mock-ups that you put in. There's bad ideas. Um, so I think that makes uh, designers a little bit more humble in how they present. And I think they're just more like, oh, I'm showing something that is not supposed to be shown and people are loving it. So I think there's a really great uh, 
loop between how the audience receives it and how the speakers present it that I think it makes it a really unique and authentic and genuine and uh, above everything once you sit through a day of first round they're all different all the first round presentations are different everybody has a different way of uh, designing them pacing them showing them and you're like oh I'm not doing it wrong <laughs> uh, like I'm doing something right and then there's something that I can take from each one in different ways and apply it to my own style of doing first-round presentations. Right, right. And I think that's what I'm trying to get at is the idea that everybody has a, a varied process, a different process, but at the end of the day, they're all you know, showing the work in their own unique way because like you mentioned, um, it's about the individual who's showing the work mm -hmm. versus what you actually do and all of these things. And you know, listening to you, I was going to get to a question of like, you know, why do you think this obviously putting process in the forefront was important, but you basically hit on it as you yeah. kept on going. But as a timing thing, how important do you think that is now that designers maybe show that process side or, you know, get get used to maybe being less worried about the beautified finished results yeah. all the time that we get to see? Yeah, I think uh, part of it is one is the amount of graphic designers out there, all of them doing basically the same thing, which is designing logos, identity of branding for different clients. Um, These the designers, for you know, for better or for worse, they have different degrees of education, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way, just like different levels of experience. So the, there's more people out there doing this kind of work, and the better prepared they are to do their job well. You know, even if you already do a good job and you're a great designer, uh, doing first-round presentations well is really important because it allows you to really get to the heart of what a client needs and what we learn, what we've learned from all these first-round presentations that we've seen now is that everything starts with conversation. Everything starts with listening to the client, uh, writing down what the client told you, presenting them back what the client told you through meetings, through strategy uh, exploration, stuff like that. Um, so I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, designers think it's just about making fun stuff, good looking stuff, uh, things that are fun to do, uh, coming up with mock-ups of wild postings and tote bags and all that kind of stuff. But what it comes down to in the end is the ability to listen to a client and present work in a way that makes sense to them and that somehow is also good looking and will look great on wild postings and tote bags. Uh, so I think the more informed people are, uh, designers are, in order to present their work, I think the better their work will be, the better the clients will be off from the process. Um, so I think it just makes us stronger as a profession. And uh, you know, instead of saying like, oh, there's so many designers out there and we're all competing for the same thing and blah, 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 let's all be stronger and then that will make our profession more impactful. And then we'll, we'll all just benefit because more clients will be like, hey, we need to hire designers because they listen to us. They're not just out there choosing weird fonts and uh, you know, doing odd things that we don't understand. Um, or like, yeah, again, kind of like going back to the, how we used to present in, my firm, in that small firm in Chicago. And we're like, oh, we chose this font because it was cute. Like, that's not something that you need to say. Like, you need to explain how what how a font choice uh, affects the business of a of a client, and I think that's what a lot of these first round presentations do. Is just like they paint a picture of why certain choices were made or why certain directions are being presented, stuff like that. So I think it just makes us stronger as a whole. And seeing how people are going to learn from, like especially attendees, um, do a lot of the presenters show first round and then maybe final round or it's strictly just this is the crappy version we <laughs> we showed them on the first pitch yeah no usually what happens is that they'll do what I, what we tell them to do is like uh spend it's a 30 minute presentation so we'll say they spend two to three minutes explaining who the client is and what they came to you to do then 20 minutes on the actual uh, keynote file or PDF file, whatever it is, and then the last five minutes just show us the finished, uh, either like a second round or jump straight to the sec to the finished product, just so that people can see what the client chose, what the changes were from that first round idea to the final product. So yeah, I think it's really important to show the final result so that you can see, because there's a huge. What happens is that there's a huge 
jump from a first round, from the chosen uh, direction in the first round to the finished piece. And, you know, um, I think that's also super interesting. And a lot of uh, the presentations just sort of touch on it by default, like, oh, so this, we went through this and the client had this feedback and then we apply that and this is how it turned out. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's also reassuring to know that your first round presentation can be iffy, <laughs> like it doesn't have to be perfect <laughs> as long as the right ingredients are in there. Then, you, then there's a, still a lot of room to, you know, for the second round and finessing and kind of like coming to grips with the reality of uh, how things are implemented that sort of shape uh, how something looks in the end. So now you're talking about a smaller event, obviously, and a smaller price point. You're not having all of these bells and whistles. Do you think a first-round conference, you know, as you're going to Chicago soon, and you're probably going to be adding more dates because it seems like this is kind of having momentum, but do you think this is is for emerging designers or established designers? I think it's for both. I mean, uh, we, we actually, even with a brand-new conference, we've always had... I would say 85 to 90 percent professionals and then 10 to 15 percent students. Uh, I think uh, students would benefit a lot from first round because students have no idea how this gets done and I don't mean that in a in a condescending way they just have no idea it's just like an experience that they haven't had and seeing how uh, how design work gets presented I think it really helps you show it helps young designers and students figure out how to think about it at the beginning so that you're presenting it the right way. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, people, we get people uh, uh, that have been practicing for 10, 15 years at our event and they're all like, this is awesome because I, you know, I've been doing it my way for the last 10, 15 years and I just don't, don't know any other way. So it's, for them, it's also great to see how other people are doing it. And, uh, you know, especially with uh, how things are changing with, uh, you know, there's more digital stuff. There's more. Uh, there's definitely a lot more strategy that goes into first round presentations. And usually, it's like strategy is like the the actual first round is strategy. Second round is design presentations. And I think for a lot of designers, uh, you know, strategy is not something that you think about, and it doesn't have to be this complicated thing where you need to find hire a strategist and and um, you know do uh, workshops and stuff like that. Strategy comes down to asking questions and figuring out how those questions could be solved in an interesting way. Um, so yeah, I think it benefits anyone in our profession in the sense that you're getting a peek into how others do it and it either uh, kind of like validates what you do or how you've been doing it or, you're, or it's uh, kind of like, uh, holy shit, I've been doing it wrong all this time. Um, so I think it's uh, beneficial for anyone. Right, right, cool. Um, I definitely think it's beneficial. And like you mentioned, right, so students are really, you know, as, a, as an educator, you realize students, you know, have never put been put in these positions. And so they have no point of, of reference to understand, you know, all the different points of views. And I do agree now, you know, a lot of these first rounds or the concept of it is how do you get on board strategically? And mm -hmm. how do you, you know, make sure that the client understands some of these other things that are not just the tangible outcome of how good it looks, what colors you chose, what typefaces, right? Because yeah. end of the day, those are really, really simple choices that you can make, but it's really like the why, right? Mm -hmm. Why Why did we pick that? It's because that makes the most sense for your X, Y, Z. Um, so now as we're like, you know, I love the hearing the, the, the nitty gritty of this, but as you started, I mean, I think you, you probably have, I think um, three or four first round conferences under your belt already. Mm-hmm. What's some things you didn't expect? Um, things that we didn't expect. I don't know. I think <laughs> I mean, everything has gone as expected in the sense that we had low expectations. <laughs> uh, and, like, I don't mean that in a denigrating way for us. We just thought, hey, this, is, this could work. Like, it's a very simple, it's a straightforward offer. It's just first-round presentations of logo identity and branding projects. Nothing more, nothing less. It'd be hard to it'd be hard to fail, uh, but yeah, I, I think it's just uh, it went as expected. I think the the, the most unexpected thing is uh, how much people want to see the, the 
the presentations and uh, and, the, uh, and attend the events and we get so many emails about like hey are you recording this uh, is it live streamed are you can I access the information later like no I'm, like that's the one thing that we feel bad about like no like you have to come and experience this in person there's no other way to see them um, so I think that you know it's a, it's a good thing to have uh, a good problem to have which is uh, demand for it so I think right. we, we didn't expect it to be as popular as they are and maybe in like two three years it'll be like all right we're done with uh, all these first round presentations but at the same time because every city that we go to they're all local speakers so all of them are different um, you know we're gonna go back to New York next year all the speakers are gonna be different so Every time it's a different thing, every time there's going to be some new approach that someone hadn't thought about. Um, so yeah, I think it's just, uh, I think one thing that was unexpected is just kind of like the uh, expandability of it and the adaptability of it to, in, to anywhere we go. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been, it was, uh, it sort of took us by surprise because we just thought we'll do it one time, see what happens. And um, that worked out. So <laughs> now we're doing it a lot. Right. So it seems like almost like the lo-fi nature of it, right? Mm -hmm. you, like It's just a conference, you need a space, you know, you get local people and you just present, right? There's nothing, yeah. there's nothing more complicated. So it's easy to kind of put that together. And I, another great thing, you just said all the people that you do, they're local yeah. or at least from the, the surrounding area. So it's not like you're flying people in to all this. No, everybody's there in these design cities. And it's also probably a good way to start highlighting other places that maybe are not necessarily always known for like design eventually as you start to expand yeah and i think it also uh, i think it also celebrates the local design scene in each city that we go to instead of going to uh you know uh, new york uh, wherever like you know we go to uh when we did a conference in chicago there's like three chicago speakers and then the rest of the people are from outside which is fine like that's that's the nature of the brand new conference uh but this is just like let it's like saying let's celebrate all the people that make Chicago design great. All the people that make, uh, like even Atlanta, like Atlanta, you think, you know, it's not a design uh, mecca, you know, by any standard. And I don't, again, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just like, you think New York, you think San Francisco, you think Austin, uh, but not Atlanta. And the presentations were amazing and the work was amazing. So, and you know, like that one was a, an even smaller scale uh, uh, event. So that was like 300 people, but those 300 people loved it. And you know, it was great. So I think it's a nice way of um, also giving a, kind of like a stage to other designers that wouldn't be either in the brand new conference or how design live or the AIJ conference or whatever. It's just like a way of saying like, hey, if you do good work and you seem to have your uh, act together and can, you know, if you've been able to present to clients your work and got in the way with what you've got in the way with, you can present to a room full of people. Um, so even people that are, don't have a lot of presenting experience, they just, they do great because they're going through their work, they're going through something that they already experienced and they're well versed in. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, it's a really interesting formula with, uh, there's not a lot of risk you know, like the brand new conference, like you have to deliver, you have to deliver meaningful work, meaningful uh, thoughts, stuff like that. Well, this is just like, I'm just going to show you what I do day in and day out. And uh, hopefully you like it. Um, and if you, if you don't like it, there's something in there that you can probably learn from. Um, so yeah, it's, um, I guess there is a lot more unexpected things that I, that I thought about when you first asked the question. <laughs> but I think, you know, sometimes when you're, when you, you know, you don't even think about getting asked that question. And then as you realize and you're talking it through, you start to go, oh, wait, I didn't think about all of these things. And I think hearing all of the different ways that, you know, the idea of it's just, it seemed like a natural extension. You started to notice that when you went to Pentagram that, oh, they were, you know, Michael Baby was doing things differently than the way you were doing it. And then started probably noticing, well, maybe other people start doing different things. And it'd be really interesting to start to see and tell an audience like there is no right way as yeah. long as you can convince the client on what you want to do for them. So I think all of these little points are ways that designers and young designers need to just, you know, I think we all try to figure out and, and tell them concepts and things to do, but they always try to look for answers. And it's like, no, you just kind of kind of figure it out a little yeah. bit as you go and figure out, but also figure out your way. Like yep. you may not, you, you can't do my way because you're not me. 
right? You have to figure out the way you're going to understand that. So based on all the stuff that you've done and your body of work, what advice would you give a younger self going into the creative industry now? Um, what I would say is that um, it's not about you. Like it's not, this profession is not about self-expression. It's not about getting away with things that you think are cool. It's really about helping people, businesses, organizations achieve their, their goals in uh in a way that makes sense, in a way that is interesting, in a way that is memorable. And I think, especially now, I think these uh, people go into design because it seems like a fun thing to do or like it could be cool and you could get to be creative and artsy and uh, express yourself. But I, you know, to me, I think maybe, well, I didn't go into design for that. I went into design because I was a lazy ass high school <laughs> student. Uh, but I think the impression that design is cool and groovy and all that, um, I think that's just a disservice to our profession because I think we are, we, and yeah, we're not surgeons, we're not lawyers, we're not, uh, saving the world in any way, but we can help other people save the world. We can help other people make a difference by listening to what they need, by trying to figure out uh, um, how to make them achieve their goals. And I think that's something that at the beginning I didn't see. Like at the beginning I thought, oh, I have to make the best logo for me, to put it into awards books, to put it back when there were a bunch of awards and uh, competitions, stuff like that. Like it's not about that. Like it really is about the client in the end. I definitely see that because we see all these things and we want to be on par with all the stuff that we see now, yeah. you know, um, social media has, has killed it for all that. We see all of these things a lot more instantaneously than we used to before when we used to just have to go to the library and open up one of the books and see all the great work, you know, on the pages. Yeah, um, I think, so an alternate answer that I just thought about is uh, I would tell my younger self, like, get out now, do something that you don't care about, like go into accounting. Because caring, <laughs> the way that you're going to care about what you do 10, 20 years from now is going to drive you insane every single day. Uh, because it really as a bad high school student, you're going to go to accounting now? Yeah, it's just like, you know, like do something 9 to 5 that you can disconnect when you get home. Um, because like we obsess about this stuff and we're constantly <laughs> thinking about it and we stress and it can be daunting and it can be tiring and stressful uh so like the lazy me would be like no go do something that's easier that you don't really care that much about so uh that would be an alternate answer let, i like um, it yeah that's a good one um so you know as a speaker a judge a critic of design what are you noticing young designers biggest um strengths or weaknesses have been recently I think, yeah, I think the strengths are making things look finished like before you had to be really know what you were doing to make something convinced look convincing like oh this is a you know this is seriously a logo for a company that someone thought about um not like you needed a lot of uh, experience to get to that point and i think nowadays uh young designers can make anything look really good and i think part of it is just like the technology part of it is the the amount of templates that you can use uh, but you look at projects on Behance of like some young kid, some uh, teenager that were like, hey, I'm going to redesign Pepsi. And are like, holy shit, like that's amazing um, because the, the uh, graphics look great and the presentation is on like on uh, uh, really top notch. You're like, oh, but yeah, then you think about it, like, oh, there's no way Pepsi could look like this. But the first, impre like, the first impressions are really stronger now than they used to be before. Um, so I think just like the, one of the stronger things nowadays is just the ability to make something look finished, um, which, I get, which I think is also uh, a weakness and a con because then you can make anything look good regardless of whether it makes sense or not. Um, I think it goes back to the idea of first round that, you know, if you're not doing things for the right reason with the right thinking behind it, then you're just worried about how it looks on Behance and how many likes it's going to get, you're doing it wrong. Um, and a lot of people think that that's the ultimate payoff to being a designer, that you're going to get, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of likes on Instagram or Behance. And, um, you know, while it's fun, 
it really doesn't serve a lot a big purpose and so you know we just mentioned that obviously at the end of the year you're going to have um your next um, brand new conference what else is it for the future of under consideration uh, well, you know, I think since we're on the subject of first round and, you know, kind of like uh, us realizing how uh, successful it's been, I think next year we're going to double down on it a little bit more. And because like even the website that we have right now, we literally put it together in three days. And, um, you know, and that's not to pat myself on the back that, hey, we have a, a nice looking website that we put together in three days where we're just like, eh, let's do it. Like, let's just put something out there. Let's put a system out there that sells tickets and just go with it. Uh, but now, kind of like seeing how well it's received and stuff like that, just like put a little bit more consideration into it. And, uh, you know, like the, 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 the website is just like an HTML, two HTML pages, maybe three. And now that we have all these events, um, so I had to create separate HTML pages and I had to go back like in the old days and update each one with new information. <laughs> it's stupid. Like, but it wasn't thought out, uh, the website, I didn't uh, build it out to be expandable. I just thought it was going to be a one-time thing and that's it. Uh, so I just kind of like going back and tidying things like that. And then, uh, yeah, just kind of like focusing on first round, the brand new conference. Uh, and then we're also, well, you know, we don't do a lot of client work, but, uh, since moving to Bloomington, we've done more client work for local clients here than in the past 10 years. So it's just, you know, <clears throat> kind of like helping this small town that doesn't have the best design track record <laughs> to just look a little bit better uh, and help the organizations that are doing, making a difference here. Um, you know, just kind of like keep doing that a little bit. And, uh, you know, every now and then we're like, we need to take it easy. We need to like cut back the hours spend more time with our kids and our kids are fine. They're doing fine. They're okay. If we don't spend like six hours a day with them, they'll survive. So we just <laughs> keep, you know, keep working hard. Uh, again, we enjoy it. And uh, part of it is that we enjoy so much the reaction from the audience that, you know, obviously we enjoy it and we make a living out of it and it's great, but just seeing how much people enjoy it, we're like, let's keep doing it. Let's keep uh, I, I always say, like, not to sound corny, but I guess I am a corny dude. Um, you know, we enjoy the joy that our events bring to people. Um, so, you know, that just fuels all the late hours, all the stressing about things. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to keep uh, punishing ourselves with more of that for the foreseeable future. Well, thank you for the continued punishment you do to yourselves, because I think just as a fan and somebody who's followed you, you know, there's a lot of hard work and dedication that goes into it. And you can see that in the brand new conference, when we look at stuff like how you do your own swag and watching behind the scenes videos of you just doing it in your garage. And, you know, there's a love and dedication behind this. It's not just like, oh, great, we're just going to hire a firm and do this. Everything is really there about you. And it's really, really personal because of you two put in all the hard work. And it can tell that that's why people are coming out to these conferences because it's not just big corporations just doing it to get money. It's really, you know, you've built a community, you've built a group of people that, you know, are trying to come together and all talk about the same thing. So as a fan and as somebody who follows you and, and doing all these things, I thank you for kind of continuing to change up what these creative outlets happen to be because then it expands what we as designers continue to strive to do. Um, I thank you for putting out first round. I'm so mad I didn't come out with myself, but I wouldn't have had the the ability to even put a you know conference together. So I'm glad somebody else did it. <laughs> One day I'll ask you about bringing it to our school so we can just have a, like a college version of it. Um, I really I really appreciate you know you taking your time out and um, thank God your dogs didn't bark. Neither did mine. I know. <laughs> I, I, I saw one of them walk out. Like, what are you gonna go do now? But like, he was quiet. They were both quiet. Uh, they're both sleeping here. So it's uh, yeah, we're blessed. Yeah, bless, bless. So thank you for this time. I really appreciated, you know, the conversation and really to dig deep into what this was and how it kind of started, because I think that's really interesting that designers need to know that sometimes it's not just what you do for your nine to five. It's all these other things that you start to just add on that makes you want to be designers. Um, so I really appreciate the time. Yeah, it was my pleasure to be here and uh, get all nerdy about all this stuff. Oh, nerdy is what I want. Awesome, man. All right. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen. I hope you learned a lot about a technique or a process that can apply to your own creative work. 
If you want to list the links of the work, tools, or people mentioned during an interview, visit the podcast website at wip.show. Also, if you haven't done so, please subscribe to my Works in Process podcast on any podcast platform. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or any other place you get your podcast. And you can find behind the scenes pics on our Instagram channel by following us at works underscore in process. Thanks again. And until next time, follow your gut and trust in the process. Thank you.